You're listening to The Comics Hall with Amy and Paul, Sideshow's very own comic book podcast. Join us as we celebrate New Comic Book Day every week and discuss the latest releases, the biggest announcements, and more from your favorite publishers. What's in your comics hall? Hey, everybody. I'm Amy. And I'm Paul. And welcome to The Comics Hall. We are covering true to form all the new releases or most of the new releases, as many as we can fit in the show for Wednesday, March 24th. We are also joined by our fantastic moderator. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, everybody. Rob here again. I'll be in the chats uh, passing any questions along to Amy and Paul for you guys. Excellent. So we and, are... And we go through this every time, Amy. <laughs> he can't say no. <laughs> you can't I, say just, no, Rob. You have to say once, yes. Just I would like for him to, to say no. 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 Uh, yeah, you guys, you guys can chat with Rob. We are live on many, many platforms. Uh, most of Sideshow's social media. I think we're not on Instagram today, but... You can hop over to Facebook, YouTube, the Let Your Geek Side Show group. I believe we're also on Twitch. Uh, get all of that stuff going on. Good stuff. So we do have a lot of stuff to cover this week. Uh, we've got comic news aplenty. Yes. We're back with, we've got panel of the week. We've got a ton of huge releases this week. So without further ado, let's roll right into some of those uh, headlines that popped up this week related to some of our favorite comic books. You got it, boss. So moving right along here. We're going to talk Satana, everyone. So according to Variety, Emerald Fennel has been hired to write a feature film focusing on DC's Zatanna, a powerful magician and heroine, often associated with the Justice League and also the Justice League Dark. The film is set to have an eventual uh, theatrical release, and J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot is producing the film through his overall deal with Warner Media. Uh, no other details are available at this time, if you are you know, aware. J.J. Uh, Abrams right now is set to direct a... Um, a Justice League Dark show for HBO Max. So, Destixie Me, <laughs> which is I'm excited backwards, and I've I've said it different 14 times today already. Um, also, He's practicing his magic. <laughs> I am. It's not going well. <laughs> Let's just say that. I've only grown another hand. So, uh, moving along here, Netflix has revealed that co-creator Keanu Reeves will star in and produce two new media projects based on his Boom Studios comic, Berserker, which did just debut this month. Berserker is about an immortal warrior to be played by Keanu Reeves, who is in search of the truth about his endless existence and who wants a way to end it. The projects on deck so far are a live action film and an anime series that will both adapt and expand on the 12 issue limited series with plans to release the film first and then the anime. So if you just picked up Berserker, what I think is about a month ago now, um, I think it was only a couple of weeks. Yeah. It might not even be a month buckle up because there, cause that world that the world, the lore around Berserker is about to blow up. I'm very, very excited to see where this goes. And I'm sure it's no surprise to anyone who opened the first issue and said, that guy looks a lot like Keanu Reeves. So <laughs> I've seen that uh, meme before. <laughs> so if you if you enjoyed the first issue, you're definitely going to want to uh, stay stay tuned for those. And if you haven't had a chance to check it out yet, check your local store. I know it is flying like hotcakes. Yes. Uh, and that is from Boom Studios. So next up, kind of paired with a release that we had this week. As a part of their June solicitations, Marvel has revealed more information about the previously teased Predator series, including the creative team and the covers. So we got writer Ed Brisson teaming with artist Kev Walker for this series, which is set a few years into humanity's future and in the continuity of the main Predator film franchise. It's about a young woman who sees her whole family slaughtered by a Predator, and years later 
kind of uh, destitute. She's got her her spaceship on its last leg. She is out for revenge against the most feared hunter in the universe. And so Predator number one will go on sale on June 9th. Uh, you can pre-order it now, though, with the solicitations out for June. And it will feature variants from Scotty Young, Peach Momoko, Ryan Brown, and more. Uh, and I personally picked up the Scotty Young cover <laughs> for Aliens release today. So uh, I can't wait to see what his take on the Predator is. It, uh, it was, if I can say... It was cute. Definitely <laughs> cute. I will permit that. It's yes. uh, When you get inside the book, those things are definitely not as cute. But we do have one more final piece of news. Uh, not necessarily a reading experience, but another visual feast for your eyes. Prime Video has released a first look clip about two minutes worth of footage ahead of the Invincible animated series premiere this week. Based on the acclaimed comic series by Robert Kirkman, Corey Walker, and Ryan Otley, the series stars Stephen Yoon, J.K. Simmons, Sandra Oh, Mark Hamill, and more. It is an absolutely stacked cast from top to bottom. Uh, you will absolutely faint if you look up that entire list. Uh, but early reviews have uh, been unembargoed, and uh, they praise the series' seamless transition into the animated format. And Amazon has stated their intentions to hit on many of the series' touchstones. Uh, as many as possible. This is a massive feat, given, given that Invincible ran for 144 issues, but they're going to do their best. I've already seen stills of uh, Adam Eve, so there's going to be a lot of really cool stuff going on in that series, of course. And Invincible does premiere on Prime Video this Friday, March 26th, so that'll be the first season of the animated series. And there's no word on additional seasons just yet, but I'm sure that this is going to be a big hit for yes. the independent comic animated audience. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll see where that goes. Big, um, big week for news. I think this is the first time in a long time, Amy, where like all of our news was settled last week. Like we knew what we wanted to do. We weren't really picking uh, news, you know, the yeah. day before because we like to be as current as possible. Oh, which brings us, if everyone hasn't heard, uh, there was a like a small bit of co it's not like comic book <laughs> per se, but in the new, it's the new Shazam movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yes. it's the new Shazam movie, um, that is coming out. Pierce. Uh, Pierce Brosnan was just cast as Dr. Fate. So um, I think I know people were wondering, I know Amy had her particular choice, um, but Pierce Brosnan was uh, selected at, to be Dr. Fate, which kind of came out of left field, which is some of the best castings do, I'd say. Yeah, that's one of those things where it's like, you know, you, you all ha always have your dream casting, but mm -hmm. that's why they pay those guys the big bucks to make those choices. These movies oh, yeah. rarely, rarely disappoint in that field. Mm -hmm. Now, Moving on from the news, we do have a panel of the week showdown. Uh, this one was a bit of a fun one this week because we wanted to take the idea of superheroics and mix it with a little bit of the mundane. Uh, our theme this week was looking at superhero day jobs. So <laughs> not everybody has the cape and cowl on at all times. Some of these right. superheroes got to pay the bills. I mean, famously, Luke Cage was one of the first superheroes who expected payment for his work. He was the hero for hire. So we took a look at some of our favorite superheroes who do have uh, off the clock or on the clock jobs, and we pitted them against each other. So uh, Chris, pull up the first panel and we will see whose it is and we'll explain. Oh. So Paul, take it away. Boom. I'm up. So this is from Superman Leviathan Rising Special. Number one by DC Comics, of course, written by Greg Rucka, art by Steve Lieber, and the colors there are Nathan Fairbairn. Um, so you see Clark Kent, Lois Lane, Jimmy Olsen, Perry White um, stand in the Daily Planet newsroom, sort of prepping for the event Leviathan, if you had read any of that. Um, it's actually really great. They did a great job of it, of sort of showing the calm before the storm in the entire DC universe before this 
world-changing event sort of hit. So uh, we see Clark here really at his day job prepping for the rest of his week. It's just a normal day in the life of um, reporter Clark Kent. And I, uh, it's one of my favorite panels. I love it. It's beautiful. And it's a great, uh, it's just a different way to show off, I think, Superman that we don't get to see very often. Yeah. And I kind of got a twofer here. I got two superheroes at their day jobs, but one of them is still in costume on my panel. If we can get that pulled up, Chris. I, of course, went. See, I wanted to to throw people off. I wanted them to think this was you. Uh, I picked Doctor Strange (laughs) number 18, written by Jason Aaron with art and colors by Chris Bacallo and uh, lettering by Corey Petit. Uh, This is actually Doctor Strange on shift at uh, the hospital while he has called in the aid of Jane Foster, who is currently moonlighting as Thor in this issue. Um, There have been a string of mystical uh, kind of illnesses and most related to like a brain cancer. And it all has to do with that really cool uh, way that Doctor Strange sees the the mystical kind of parasites that live on and around us. Um, and so Thor uses her lightning speed and her surgical prowess, because of course Jane Foster is a doctor, uh, to operate on a ton of different patients at once, while of course the speed causes lightning to crackle through the room and Doctor Strange has to yell at her to stop. Uh, <laughs> so I thought that was fun because it was two superheroes and while Jane Foster was in her Thor form, uh, because she was hiding her identity, although Stephen Strange did uh, ultimately discover her secret identity, <laughs> um, she can do both jobs. She yes. can do it all. And and Doctor Strange is, is on shift, but he's not really helping. So I thought that was a fun <laughs> one. So we took the vote to you guys on Instagram, uh, and we pointed it to you in the Let Your Geek Side Show Facebook group as well. And your mm-hmm. votes were heard loud and clear. It was uh, very interesting interesting race now chris if you could uh drum roll please drum 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 i don't think he can drum roll maybe but oh, the well, winner is dr dr strange and thor and thor which means <laughs> amy is the winner um and i did promise amy well I, I kind of like you know threw it on everyone at the very last second i was like hey i'm gonna curse in the show um <clears throat> if i may say so Amy beat my ass this week. (laughs) It wasn't even close. I think this is, again, Amy, you keep just, you know, really raising the bar for yourself and and how bad um, you beat me in some of these. You know, it was a toss up between this one and and Howard the Duck. And I and I don't know what would have happened if I had thrown (laughs) Howard the Duck into the ring. But uh, I I, I, I was secretly hoping people were voting for Doctor Strange thinking that you chose that panel. (laughs) I, yeah, I mean, I almost, you can't really say, I almost voted for him as well. I love it so, so, so very much. And he uh, will come up again during this show, we promise. We try to shoehorn our characters in at least every episode. We got to do it. Anyways, it is time for us to move on to the weekly haul. We've got a big week. Yes. We've got some new number ones. We've got a couple of uh, anthology issues. We've got a lot of stuff going on for you guys mm-hmm. and both incredible uh, Marvel, DC, and some Image Comics as well. So we're going to start things off with a pick of the week. You guys haven't seen us have a pick of the week in a while, but this was the first time in a couple of weeks, months, years, forever, uh, that Paul and I ended up pulling the same book this week, and it was yes. a big release. We've got Marvel's Alien number one. Yes. Of course, uh, this was preceded by an incredible month of variants in January with the Heroes versus Aliens, but now Marvel is actually launching the Alien license itself as a comic book series. Mm-hmm. So we're going to kind of lightly aim this as well while just kind of generally discussing why this is our pick of the week. But top of the top of the round, uh, this is written by Philip Kennedy Johnson with art by Salvador LaRocca. We've got colors by Guru EFX and letters by Clayton Cowles. Mm-hmm. Now this is, despite being in the Marvel publishing house, this is completely 
alien franchise. So yes. don't go in here expecting to see Thor or Iron Man just kind of showing up in this. This is yeah. pure alien franchise. However, I wouldn't be super opposed to that, but like way down the road, <laughs> way down the road. <laughs> Let's let this play out King first. King and Black in here and then, yeah, but this right? is this is all alien all yes. the time. Um, yeah, and this is honestly a great book. Um, one, you know, distinction I want to make right up front that I actually did see, uh, unfortunately, some people make online, they were tagging the wrong creator. This is not Daniel Warren Johnson, who did like Wonder Woman Dead Earth. This is uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson, who has done like uh, Aquaman um, annuals. He's he wrote for a long time on Superman action comics, uh, but most you know he did like House of L and Superman World of War. Uh, the reason that that's all I would say relevant is because he's been absolutely killing it for DC. So to see this book come to Marvel was I think a little surprising for everyone because as far as I mean honestly as far as I know he hasn't really done too much Marvel outside of uh, you know some research I had to do some Marvel zombie stuff, but mm. I think this is a great start. To yeah. Well, you know, there. everybody can, everybody can get Daniel Warren Johnson back next week. Cause next week he has the beta Ray bill release, but this is Philip Kennedy Johnson. So, mm. you know, it's a classic Tom Taylor, Tom King switcheroo. <laughs> yes, exactly. They're all the same. I'm not, I'm not convinced they're not the same person. So, <laughs> but so uh, I think it's important up top to know uh, in terms of accessibility, I think this book does a really great job of uh, kind of steeping you into the story. You don't necessarily have to have seen right. the other films at this point. Um, they, it doesn't seem like they're going to be including any of the kind of Ripley adventures and stuff. Mm -hmm. You just get the carryover of Wayland yutani Corporation. Um, but I do want I think up front, it is important to say if you're going into this first issue expecting a Xenomorph Schlockfest, you're not right, going right. to get that. This is actually the start of an ongoing story, mm -hmm. which is going to be, uh, set in the mythos. It's, um, Remind me, Paul, 70-something Yeah, so th this takes place approximately 78 years after, you know, the Ripley story that we get. After Aliens, specifically, because they mentioned yeah. the colony of Hadley's Hope. Right. Uh, there is a nice recap page after the kind of cold open of the issue as well. But right. this, yeah, this is the beginning chapter of a long-going alien story. So if you are expecting just an alien beat him up uh, that is not what you're going to find here. But what you do find is actually very, uh, very interesting, very cinematic, mm -hmm. I think, aided especially by La Roca's art style. Yes. Um, yeah. And that's a great way to put it, because I think um, La Roca and Johnson do a great, great, great job of sort of um, really slowly helping you dip your toes in the water. Like maybe you don't read a lot of comic books, but you love Alien. Um, this feels like you know, an alien storyboard brought to life for um, for the entire franchise. Um, and, you know, sort of keeping with the accessibility, you should have no problem finding this anywhere. There are about, I, I think I actually counted, I think there's like 20 different variants uh, yeah. for this, like Amy had said. So th this is the, uh, the it's a Sue Young variant. I f I'm sorry, I forget her first name, but her last name is Sue Young. Um, and this is the the Virgin variant that is a uh, one in one hundred. Amy got the uh, Scotty Young, so they, they they really have a lot of people who I think uh, are are big fans of the brand. Yeah, a lot this. of lot of really cool covers to choose from, and all of them are very very much uh, capturing that HR Giger biomechanical yes. uh, style going on. Lots of really great portraits of xenomorphs and just some really really cool and creepy stuff. And you could tell that a lot of artists just had a lot of fun uh, getting to be a part of that cover gallery and take off with those, with those ideas. 
Yeah, I mean, and honestly, uh, really sort of, you know, again, this isn't a proper aim, but moving in, you know, away from the A, the accessibility right into the the interest. I mean, obviously, if you're an alien fan, you're gonna love this book um, because it it feels like, you know, like Amy mentioned, like right off the bat, it feels cinematic in LaRocca's art, in sort of the pacing of this as well. Uh, it does a great job of setting up the drama of the character so that it's not just you know, humans versus xenomorphs. Uh, there's a lot more at play here. Um, it's it's really great to see, I think, Johnson sort of really, really kind of, you know, stretch his legs here. Uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson has done, does a great job, I, I think, personally with character work. He uh, did that with Superman World of War, Worlds at War, and really digging into a lot of the psychological aspects behind some of these characters, which plays very much into this, which I didn't think as well would would happen but it does yeah you get a lot of the interpersonal um kind of ground level politics again we have the Wayland yutani corporation as the big shadowy you know that they're not doing so well and i do like specifically you get that um there's a speech from one of the higher-ups who's like don't listen to the naysayers we are doing good work what we are doing there's always going to be mishaps especially when we're like in space like this but we're doing the good work and then we see some other people who have a very clear idea of what they're doing is the good work and what Wayland yutani is doing is is corrupt so you get a lot of uh the corporate level politics but you also get the interpersonal politics of the people who work at Wayland yutani and the people who are affected by uh their families working at Wayland yutani um, and there's some interesting there's some interesting hints at the kind of um, biological specimen uh, reclaiming and recapture that was introduced, of course, mm-hmm. in Alien and Aliens. Um, and we get just enough of a tantalizing hint of that in this issue. This is definitely one where you're going to want to pick up the second issue afterwards because it does it does feel like a, a an episode cliffhanger. And to add to that cinematic and storyboard uh, description that Paul mentioned, I think a lot of the a lot of the heavy lifting, of course, is Salvador La Roca's inks. Mm-hmm. Uh, really great angles on a lot of re- very realistic uh, style portraits of the characters, but. Guru EFX's art uh, coloring just takes it over the edge with a a almost photorealistic rendering style, but not too like this is weirdly CGI looking because there yeah. there have been some comics that are too highly rendered in mm-hmm. that that realistic style. Um, this does a really nice job of um, standing out. And the only thing I think that was the most interesting was some of the text bubbles. To me, felt more classic Marvel, but I guess it's harder mm-hmm. to divorce from that when. Most comic books have lettering conventions of, right. that are consistent throughout, but the book very quickly makes you forget that this is a Marvel production for for a good reason. Yeah, exactly, and I think that's a problem. That is a, a concern that maybe some long term Alien uh, fans have had. I believe it was uh, Dark Horse who had the rights previously before this. Yeah, and that is a that tends to be a bit of a darker book. Uh, they have a little bit more liberty to draw and say what they want. Um, and I think people were concerned with it being Marvel. They're like, well, we don't really want you to you know PG thirteen up this brand so much. And they absolutely don't. Um, it it does not feel in any way. I don't know a better way to say this. Maybe I should let Amy think of a word. For, I was going to say nerfed, <laughs> for, like for in a, as a gaming term. Um, like yeah, the Xenomorphs I mean... feel scary. Like when you see them, they are super imposing. Um, and Laroca does a great job, of course, with Guri effects of of 
making them look so incredible in an already really dark book. They've got incredible details and they're not overly rendered, which is a great way to put it, like Amy was mentioning. And it's not, I think the word, uh, the alternative word for being nerfed is it's not sanitized. It's not, it's not what people would go. think from a like, oh, well, this is technically under the umbrella of Disney. Like this is, this is an opportunity um, for Marvel and their creative house to, again, flex right. the, the, um, darker side of comics production that they have been permitted to do in the past. I mean, it's not necessarily a Marvel Max property. It's not even comparable because this is a completely different like franchise and universe. Uh, but it is absolutely not a sanitized PG thirteenified alien as you would expect. I mean, and as we were we we're talking, some of the some of the creatures are rendered in excessively beautiful detail, and we don't get a ton of gore in this one. But what you do get in terms of gore <laughs> is uh, very very notable. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they they and effective. Yeah, those uh, <clears throat> whew, those face huggers. They are hard to look at. <laughs> face huggers and and other viscera. <laughs> other viscera, yes. Yeah. Um. So yeah, title this... of my memoir: Face Huggers and Other Viscera. <laughs> oh, wonderful! Out in June, uh, along with as a companion piece to Predator. So yeah, and I think I think this on that note, it does bode well for the caliber of the Predator story that will be coming later. And I do yeah. believe that Marvel has intentions. I can't speak for them necessarily, but I do believe there are intentions for eventual Alien and Predator. Uh universe is coming closer together in the classic avp style as well yeah um and then again kind of you know wrapping it up with the emma bits i have the book right here it's uh 4.99 4.99 yes it's 4.99 <laughs> 32 pages um a pretty standard um page length not too many ads in this as well and it is an ongoing story so we're going to be getting it's not a maxi it's not a mini series so we should be getting this indefinitely until you know the run ends yeah and and yeah, that's that is the biggest release probably that you will find this week. There should be an abundance of them. And then the final kind of like if you absolutely can't find it for some reason, it is available on Comixology. So you can yes. check it out there. All right. Well, I think that pretty much uh, seals the deal on our pick of the week. However, we did have our individual pull lists we wanted to get to. So we're going to head into the AIM segment. And as you guys uh, kind of got, we did introduce the aim that's our accessibility interest and money of each comic book um that is our our grading system because we don't like numbers here so it's how easy are these things to find and or read and dive into who would like this book and how much are you paying and what are you getting for what you're paying that is our comics hall aim system so because we've ever done it <laughs> i know let's get into the aim of some of the books that released this week um we're gonna start here if you don't mind paul i'm gonna take the top with harley quinn number one from dc comics this is part of the infinite frontier launch and you guys will notice this is actually a weird week for me because i'm aiming two dc books which is practically unheard of but i'm being i'm being brave and adventurous this week no Cue i was twilight very light zone music very excited for the release of these books. Um, if you are listening on the podcast format, we will make all of the covers and images discussed in this uh, video available on sideshow.com slash geek. You can check our blog Thursday morning. It launches with the podcast feed. Um, but if you're watching live, please enjoy. Love, love, love this cover here. It says, let the healing begin. And it <laughs> indicates, uh, and, and then it says in smaller text, don't say we didn't warn you. And this is a, a Harley Quinn number one. This is a relaunch for the character. Of course, not a reboot or a retcon, mm -hmm. but this is her new number one uh following the events of not only the future state um event but also the joker war which was actually something i did not engage with so that'll be interesting for those of you who might be looking to pick this up but you haven't uh followed all of the dc comics continuity recently so this was written by stephanie phillips with art by riley rosmo uh colors by ivan placencia and letters by deron bennett 
Now, in terms of accessibility, I found this book incredibly accessible. It is a number one. It takes into account plot points from Joker War, but it does a good job of filling you in, at least contextually, of how they've uh, affected Harley Quinn's current standing in Gotham, what she's aiming to do uh, with her new career and her her desire to make amends for the with the people that she has hurt. Um, the a true a good number one issue, even if you haven't read the backstory, will provide you with enough detail of like referencing the thing but not necessarily fully explaining it there are minimal editor's notes that say like oh check out this other book Uh, but it's not a whole spider web of like you should have read at least 30 other titles coming into this you don't even have to have read the future state book uh for this and i didn't read infinite frontier uh number zero so technically going into this i have been about as blind as you could be on a harley quinn title (laughs) and i still got the gist uh very well um there's also a little bit of uh storyline that indicates or hints that you should have an understanding of who punchline is but even if you just saw the buzz and the covers for punchline uh you'll have an understanding that she and harley are not simpatico uh so that's that's kind of involved in the story as well harley is also now as a part of infinite frontier moving into the consideration of the bat family titles and so you do get some uh inclusion of batman so if maybe if you want to dip your toes in with a little bit of batman story as well i think actually one of the most beautifully done pages goes to a batman portrait where he throws a smoke bomb and then you see his silhouette and inside the silhouette you see all of the scenes of the people fighting him but it's just overshadowed by this batman in a smoke cloud it was so cool and i wish i had had time to pull the page for you guys but um if you are picking this one up today or picked it up yesterday because dc books release on tuesdays uh you are definitely in for a treat with that still it's a really really fresh launch for the character and it includes a lot of gotham city touchstones so you're not completely lost going into this you know harley's always teetering the line between is she gonna make mischief is she gonna make better for herself uh so I thought this was a lot of fun. In terms of interest, uh, this inter- uh, iteration of Harley Quinn really reminded me of the frantic energy um, of her animated series counterpart. The lines are very fun and frenetic. Um, even if you're able to see the cover right now on the live feed, just that's I believe the cover is also Riley Rosmo. That's the style that is inside of the book. Very energetic. Um, and, it, and it does have that devil may care kind of style for her animated series. But it also kind of for me uh based on my references for harley quinn includes the liberated independent woman living in an apartment uh vibe from birds of prey which of course was founded from other appearances of harley i think ultimately though what it didn't hit for me was it does not feel very similar to the connor and palmiati harley quinn which is a good thing i think it's a nice step away no one can do harley quinn like connor and palmiati when they are doing that version of her um, but this is a very different harley I think uh, Stephanie Phillips and Riley Rossmo did a great job of creating this new version of her. Um, but for fans of her character, Harley is there. Harley is all there. We've got references to her uh, psych- psychiatry and she's fighting Killer Croc in the opening pages. There's just a lot of fun stuff going on. Uh, and she is basically out to make amends for all the bad things she did, believing that she enabled the Joker for so long and now he's off. Uh, Gotham City has a clown problem is what everybody kept saying in this issue. And so it's very interesting uh, the ways in which she seeks to make amends for that. And you get a little bit of the politics of the Joker war behind that. And the fact that there is a character now named Clown Hunter and we've got Punchline and we've got Harley, all of these things. Um, and in terms of M, this is $3.99. It's 32 pages with advertisement. So you ultimately get about 26, 28 pages of story. Pretty consistent for a DC comic. Uh, but this is basically the standard package. It, it's just a great 
uh, jumping on point for Harley. And I love that logo as well. It's really fun with this, the skull in the queue and the uh, broken heart that's being mm-hmm. stabbed. Just a just a really, really fun uh really fun launch for today and i i loved it i'm definitely gonna be checking this out i uh i mean you can always guarantee a good time anytime rosmo's doing art seriously like yeah his 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 lines like the expressions that uh he chooses to use are always so 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 much fun he just did the recent um remember when dark knight's death metal was going amy like a million (laughs) years ago that yeah that it feels like it was just yesterday (laughs) uh he did the robin king one shot and it was very similar where it's very fun and the lines are some of them are very like drawn out and all over the panel and it's it's really great yeah he's he's fantastic and i think that kind of i don't want to say it's messy line work but the the not extremely sharp and polished line work uh really works well for again the energy of harley quinn and her antics (laughs) exactly as opposed to the very highly stylized, very almost anime-like uh, Simone DeMeo on the Future State book. Like oh, that yeah. really cyberpunk uh, style Harley Quinn. This is just, I think it's a true return to form. Great jumping on point for uh, new readers. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So the next one, everyone, uh, book that we're going to aim is the book that I picked up. This is Carnage, Red, White, and Blood, number one. This is uh, in the... Same vein. I guess that's kind of a, a blood joke if you want. Um, <laughs> as all of we'll the, give it to you. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Thank you. Survey says. And we, uh, as a lot of the other, you know, there's a, um, there's a Superman. It's the red and blue where uh, it seems to be a, a bit of a trend right now. There's the Wolverine one um, that is out. Harley Quinn. Of course, Harley Quinn, Batman, uh, and Carnage following suit. And I think I've read most of those. I think Carnage might be one of the most funs. One of the most fun ones that I've read, um, but getting a little ahead of myself here. So the creative team on this is pretty uh, is pretty extensive. There are three there are three sets there are three stories. So each story has its own team. You've got Al Ewing, Benjamin Percy, and Teeny Howard. Uh, you know, doing uh, the writing here. Ken Lashley, John McRae, and Sarah Pacelli doing the art. Um, and honestly, th- this book is really great. I sort of – so we'll jump right into the aim. As far as accessibility goes, uh, you should be able to find this pretty much anywhere at your local shop today or online via Comixology or wherever you buy comics online. Uh, should be available. Now, how easy is it to just jump in, read, and understand is a little more complicated. I have a very passing knowledge of Carnage. I know it's Cletus Cassidy, and um, I know he's – you know technically in spider-man's rogues gallery i'm not a huge huge fan uh you know carnage fan i did just read um is it Ult- ultimate carnage maximum carnage is the most oh my recent. goodness i um, you know i never get the adjective right because it was absolute there's carnage two. there's maximum carnage oh it's I think absolute it's- okay and then maximum was the one in i think the like in 2000 or in 2001 um those yeah, are re- Donnie's was the absolute absolute carnage. yeah which which was great I, I loved <laughs> Complete it Complete and utter total carnage <laughs> <laughs> yes. carnage was there I promise so um that's really the extent of my carnage uh knowledge and I went into this book no problem so if you've got again a passing understanding of sort of that insane like literally psychotic and insane dynamic that um the Carnage symbiote and Cletus Cassidy have, um, you're good. You don't really need much. And now breaking this sort of jumping right into the the interest, the eye here. Um, Spider-Man fans, like if you're 
going to this and looking for like a punch em up type story. That's not what this is at all. There are three very, very distinct stories in this book. Um, I actually sort of broke it down by what each writer wanted to focus on. So Teeny Howard really focused on Cletus Cassidy, it seemed, and what the Carnage symbiote does to him, the people around him. Um, Scream is uh, is it Scream? Screech. No, nope, not Screech. Scream, the, <laughs> Scream. the orange and yellow one. Yes, the orange she's and yellow. So cool. <laughs> yeah, she's rad. She's uh, in Teeny Howard's story. And then you sort of move on to Benjamin Percy's story. And that's more about um, capital C Carnage, the symbiote and the idea of what that means. Um, and that's like a, a Wild Wild West story. Um, that's really fun. It sort of seems like a uh, Jonah Hex esque story which of again different property but it feels very much like that benjamin percy also did write on all-star western a while back so he has written some jonah hex so i wonder how much of that sort of played into this but um and then you get to al ewing who <laughs> wrote a story which seems to focus on like you the relationship that you have with carnage the character because it is like a DD uh style game choose your own adventure you need a you do need a dice a die, I'm sorry, to read that particular story. And it is so much fun. So, you need a D six, I think, in the in the the gamer lingo or just your standard Yahtzee dice. <laughs> yeah, Amy is just starting to pick up um Dungeons and Dragons, I think is what it's called. So <laughs> just a little <laughs> just a, a little, little game. game. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you do need a D six um to read Al Ewing's story. I mean, I didn't actually try to read it without because it just seemed much more it seemed like much more fun to read it with a D six and you roll and you have instead of you know HP for hit points, you have WP for willpower. Um, and you have to I'm I'm kinda I'm not really spoiling it too much, but you go out and you, you can actually interact with this book. And so it was really fun. All three stories are very distinct. I'm sure it'll sort of scratch the itch of whatever type of, uh, you know, whatever type of carnage story that you really do enjoy. You'll get it in at least one of these stories by three all-star writers right now. Um, all the art is beautiful. Seriously, it's it's so, so, so great. My favorites was probably uh, Pacelli. She did the Benjamin um, Benjamin Percy story. It's like more of the wild, the Western uh, it's really great, and honestly, at all, being only um, four ninety nine, it's it's such a steal because the book is so much fun. I actually went back and played Al Ewing's story. I guess uh, I played it twice. I got the same outcome both times, but I did play it twice, um, <laughs> and it is six issues. As with a lot of these color based mini series that are kind of going on, um, it is six issues, so it's you know pretty standard. And again, thirty two pages. But it did have, you know, did have maybe four of those pages are ads, but that's what you get in modern comics. So it's actually not too bad. But yeah, Carnage, Black, White, and Blood is so much fun. Um, if you pick it up, even if it's just for Al Ewing's story, just to sort of play along and just see how he envisions um, Carnage, it's it's great. Just at least do it for that. I'm going to give you some homework, Paul. If you really liked that, Al Ewing actually did a Deadpool yeah. Choose Your Own Adventure called You Are Deadpool. So if you want to, uh, if you really want to do some work while you read your comics, uh, check out You Are Deadpool as well. That's that's and, a hot tip for all of you out there as well. And then I make the jump to being a DM. Yes. Is that how it goes? I'm oh, sure. Okay. I, it's, it's that. I mean, I stumbled right into it. Um, <laughs> actually, no, there was a comic book sidebar there was a comic book that helped me learn how to do dungeons and dragons it was called rolled and told and it was actually half comic book half uh 
D&D adventure guide that was published by Lion Forge. Um, oh, nice. That's a that's a hot tip. They've got collected editions now, so if you're looking to get into D and D, check that out. Nice. And with that, nice segue. Me, no, absolutely, totally unrelated. Um, I've got my next aim for you guys, and surprise, surprise, again, it's a DC book. I'm checking out Teen Titans Academy number one this week from DC Comics. Uh, this was written by Tim Sheridan with art by Rafa Sandoval and Jordi Tarragona, with colors by Alejandro Sanchez and letters by Rob Lee. So, uh, Teen Titans Academy. This is in the same vein as previously published DC books like Gotham Academy. We've also got Mystic U. And of course, across the pond at the other House of Ideas, there is the currently running Strange Academy. So it seems like right now the zeitgeist is the teenage superheroes next generation. Uh, But unlike Strange Academy, which focuses on magic, this is just a general who's the next possible crop of Teen Titans. Mm -hmm. However, um, you guys might know if, if you're following DC continuity, there are multiple Titans teams already out there. We do have the kind of classic roster now graduated to the Titans. We've got a cur- uh, current run of Teen Titans that includes uh, Lobo's daughter Crush. We've got uh, Kid Flash. We've got a uh, bunch of characters who actually I'm not as familiar with. I think one of them is Roundhouse, um, then Jakeem. Uh, that's what they called him in all, all the issue. I forget his actual superhero name. But um, So there's a current roster of Teen Titans, and now we've got the newbie hopeful students coming in, and we've got this kind of Hogwarts uh, Strange Academy uh, X-Men kind of school vibe where we've got the the next generation of younger students. So in terms of accessibility, this miniseries does sort of rely on a little bit of information revealed in Future State. They do have a couple of those editor's notes referencing, hey, like this was revealed in the Future State story. Um, however, it's not a huge crutch. Um, I found it to be pretty accessible because I'm actually a, a deep running uh, Titans fan. I OG lineup, the animated series. I read a lot of the uh, Wolfman and Perez stuff, but I can see where some people might get lost, uh, especially with the current run of Teen Titans, um, who are not the original Titans. Uh, but otherwise, it it introduces a new cast of characters, and so it's I think it's fairly straightforward. Um, it's it's pretty close to a new number one for a DC title. Which, again, true number one is usually reserved for creator-owned series where you absolutely need to know nothing going in. This does rely on character dynamics that are uh, pretty well established in the DC universe. Um, But I I found it to be a fun and interesting debut issue. However, it is a little challenging because if you are familiar with the solicitations, you know that this series is touting, especially even on the cover, this series is touting the first continuity-based main universe DC appearance of Red X. Uh, and long-running Teen Titans fans, of course, will know that Red X was an alter ego for Dick Grayson at a time, uh, involved with Slade, aka uh, Deathstroke. But the mystery surrounding Red X in the comics in this iteration kind of was hinted at in Future State, but hasn't been completely laid out here. So it's doing the hard work of setting you up for a mystery with this new character's appearance, and it's also introducing you to a new crop of characters who, unfortunately, because there are three generations of Titans, you don't get a lot of time with every group. Um, you spend most of the time with the teachers in this issue. Um, in terms of interest, like I mentioned, those other titles, uh, Mystic U and Gotham Academy, if you if you just really like the school-based superhero setting, which I don't know what, what it is about me, but I just, I mean, maybe it's because <laughs> most of my bad school memories weren't like so bad that I was traumatized, but like... I just love the idea of like 
fun and quirky kids with superpowers at a school and like learning See, things. I, and... I'm trying to get as far away from school. I'm already <laughs> done with school. Uh, I don't I... need to go back except unless it's Strange Academy or Teen Titans Academy. I can make an exception, but I'm not wearing a backpack. So, <laughs> yeah, there's just for me. There's just something about the the kids, the 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 unique school for strange kids, which I'm sure was the first draft of uh, Professor X's title for for the Xavier <laughs> School. Before he thought, oh, that's a little that's a little mean. Um, so I'm a sucker for this. This is like my exact target thing, and of course, Teen Titans. I loved seeing, uh, especially Beast Boy. Beast Boy trying to be the faculty for being responsible for any number of children. Um, and of course, uh, Dick and Corey or, or Nightwing and Starfire, um, they're kind of like the headmasters of this school. But there's just the the original team's dynamics are so great to see. Um, I will say, unfortunately, you don't get a whole ton of time with the, the um, new crop of students. And so the issue did feel a little... Um, rushed or or oddly paced by the end of it i was like oh i feel like i don't really know any of the new uh students at this point but it is a an ongoing series again we do have the mystery of red x so we will be uh slowly building into that and i'm definitely going to be going to be checking out uh i know i have at least the next two issues pulled already um it, it is just one of those things where and it's also very textually dense there's a lot of uh word bubbles so sometimes people prefer the lighter um right kind of reads this is a very uh dense read that brings in a lot of topics at once but doesn't move super fast through all of them so a uh, very interesting very fun read again uh i i hope that some of these characters stick around in the dc universe i hope it's not just uh set them up and knock them down because there are a lot of great uh kind of concepts going on that can lead to a new a brand new team of teen titans uh and so for the m of this book it is 399 with 32 pages there are ads so again you get about 26 to 28 uh i didn't count that's why i'm guesstimating but there's <laughs> there's there's a considerable number of ads in this book like any dc title no snickers ads though thankfully oh. uh, <laughs> gone are the days of those but um there are some other ads for for a harley quinn red white and black series um mm -hmm. But yeah, three ninety nine standard length, and I think this is an ongoing. I don't think it's a particular mini series, so um, that's probably going to be the standard page count and price yeah. for upcoming issues. So that is Teen Titans Academy this week. Nice, yeah, another book that I think we we both picked up. But I let Amy take the reins on this one. I I had Thank some you. other books to read, and in that uh, list of books that I had read is the last book that we will be aiming for you, and it is. Uh, the book that I read. It is Ha Ha Number Three. Now I know what you're thinking. Why are <laughs> you trying to aim and pitch us a book that is number three? And that is because this is an anthology series by W. Maxwell Prince. And not only is it a number three, this is the third time you've covered Ha Ha on this it show. It sure is. I've, but I think that's really cool. Yeah, I have not only covered each issue, but I'm going to keep covering each issue because it is <laughs> so good. I love it so much. Um, and this was a really, really great issue. Uh, so again, I'm going to say W. Maxwell Prince, not the writer on this one, but he is the one who did the plot of this. The reason I say that is because uh, this is, you know, this takes, well, hold on, let me get my actual notes. Sorry, this is about Remy, who's a mime. So it's completely, uh, you know, textless. 
It's in it's absolutely wonderful. And you've got the legendary uh Roger Langridge on art who if you know again, you may be familiar with Roger Langridge most notably from Fred the Clown, uh which is you know, the uh the strip that he's won um I think at least one Eisner for. Um, but it was a long going uh, book. Actually, I had read it and I love Roger Langridge. And if you are you know, familiar at all with that style of art, you've probably seen some of Langridge's work somewhere. Um, he does an incredible job of really not only using the the character that's in focus, in this case, Remy, who's the, the name of the mime, not only using it to like him and his art style to really show expression but also the environment he uses he does a great job of drawing the environment in a way that it's almost like background characters because he had a really really tough time of trying to convey exactly what w maxwell prince wanted to say about remy the clown or remy the mime i'm sorry but without using any text at all now there are some word bubbles but it's all jumbled or it'll just be dollar signs but there's no there's nothing really for you to read so um, <laughs> the old charlie brown adult speak <laughs> yes <laughs> womp 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 um so again jumping right into the uh, aim of this book the accessibility i'm gonna say this should be pretty easy to find at your local shop um i think people have started to pick up that you know this is a popular book um i believe it, I believe it got extended. I'm kind of jumping to the M real fast, but I believe it got extended to a 12 issue maxi series. It was just supposed to be six issues, but I believe it's now going to be 12 issues. W Maxwell Prince is doing all the writing and he's going to have 12 different artists work on this book. So um, it really is great. Now, again, it's a number three, but it's an anthology. So you can just pick this up. You don't need to have read the other two. I highly recommend it because they're really, really good. Uh, they're, this is the most lighthearted of them. I've uh, mentioned that haha number one and two were really good, but they are very depressing. <laughs> they're very depressing books. I mean, they're expertly written and they, if a comic can evoke an emotion out of you, I think it's very well written and um, it does. It's very sad and it's very true. And it's what Matt W. Maxwell Prince knows is he knows how to write human emotion very well. I, I personally think. Um, so it was interesting to see him step back from, you know, just you know using his plot and his words to really put you in the brain and the shoes of these characters and letting Roger Langridge who is a you know who is a comic book medium art you know legend really do the heavy lift in here and they apps like they they just work in tandem and it's really great so sort of jumping into um the interest here as to Who's going to like this book? Obviously, if you've read the previous two ha-has, you're going to love it. You're already invested. If you have read Ice Cream Man, which is also by W. Maxwell Prince, you're going to love it. Um, but I got some serious um, – oh, I didn't write this down, Amy, so I'm going to need your help. The Oh, oh, uh, he just you played the Joker. It. Joaquin Phoenix is the movie he did about falling in love with the AI. Her. Her. Thank you. So uh, it's got real big um, her vibes uh, to it from for me personally because um, he does – I'm not going to spoil much of it for you. Again, we are a spoiler-free show and podcast, but he does fall in love with a particular thing that he stumbles upon in this comic, um, and it sort of consumes him, and everyone on the outside looking in is very concerned. 
And it makes you question like, what is going to happen when Remy, the mime, the main character here, loses this particular thing if they lose it or not? It, it's an interesting story. Um, and it's actually, the it ended very positively. So that's that's where I'll end with spoilers um, for folks. But I'm I, I, there's so much in this book. And again, it's so much fun to look at, to be honest with you. Um, it's, it's just interesting. I, I would, I always warn people like, yes, there are comics. It's happened before, uh, I believe. Um, and again, I'm going to lean on Amy here. It's the the book that Hickman just did with Dodderman. Um, Giant Gray, size X-Men? Giant, but it's the Jean Grey one where it was completely textless again. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Giant size Emma and Jean. Emma and Jean. Thank you. And um, it, you know, while those books and the art stands alone, like don't just fly through them because you're looking at them. There is so much uh, happening within those panels that you really are, you know, getting so much story in just the art alone. So take your time on this book or if you pick up, um, you know, the book that we just mentioned, take your time with these books or any book that is, you know, textless, um, particularly this one because language does such a great job, as I was mentioning, of giving Remy so much emotion and energy in his facial expressions but also the environment is really interesting when you pick up the book you'll understand what i'm saying by the environment um he's just got a very particular style and it's really really fun so it's this has been probably my favorite haha issue so far and the reason being is because it really showcases that maxwell prince is willing to maxwell w maxwell prince the writer uh is willing to sort of step back and have his ideas visualized and be collaborative with these artists. And it's just really cool. And it comes across as a collaborative effort. So um, this book is, <clears throat> let's, oh, sorry. It's $3.99 as is going to be with all of the haha issues. Number one, two, and three have been $3.99 and the rest of them will also be $3.99. Um, and again, no longer six issues, I believe. It is now 12 issues. So you're going to get 12 issues, 12 different artists, uh, so just a couple left to go and 32 pages, no ads in this. That's 32 pages of comic. Uh, so zero <laughs> ads in this. I mean, there is a, um, you know, sort of like a soapbox at the, at the end of this. And it sort of goes over what's coming next in the next haha. But, but that's it. It's, it's, you're getting about 30 pages of straight comic and it's, um, it's really great. So if you haven't picked up haha before I would start now you can, there's, I believe issue one is in like fourth printing or third printing. Issue two is in second printing uh, and ha ha number three just came out today. So ha ha number three, go get it. Um, it is, it's going to, it'll be the perfect palate cleanse, Amy, right after they read Teen Titans Academy. After all of the, <laughs> after all of the words, this has none of them. Yes. And this is actually good prep for, um, I, I know Paul and I will be covering it when it comes out, but the silver coin anthology from image as well. I, I love seeing this idea that, um, comic book creators are now trying this format of anthology i mean it's not a new thing but the right. the idea yeah. that publishing houses are willing to do an anthology that goes over multiple issues like we do get those beautiful um like the dc love is a battlefield and and the marvel's voices and those are anthologies but those are a bunch of short stories contained within one rather than a bunch of monthly stories allowing a full issue to tell the whole tale so right Keep an, if you're liking haha, ha, keep an eye out for the silver coin, which is coming out in April. I'm very excited about yes, that. Yes, very, very. Someone's already read it. <laughs> I wonder who. <laughs> 
All righty. So um, we are headed into, that was the last of our aims, and we are going to be headed into our Holler at the Hall segment, um, which is where you guys, or no, we ask you a question, not you guys ask us a question. I mean, you guys are always welcome to ask us questions. And actually, before we go into this week's question, it looks like we do have some questions from uh, the audience. So Rob, would you like to pass those along to us, please? Sure. Uh George LeBlanc from Facebook asked, how does a writer go about publishing a comic or writing for DC, etc.? That's a great question. I cannot answer the DC question because I myself have never tried it. Mm-hmm. Would love to. Um, but in all seriousness, I have uh, had some experience writing and putting out comics. Um, the best answer is to... Uh, if you know artists, if you find people who are willing to to collaborate, um, this is a great time. Meet someone who's on your level. If you're a beginning writer, uh, find someone who's a beginning artist and, and start small. Uh, the first comic I published was uh, only six pages. I've done four pages. I've done as many as 10. Um, and now I'm trying to do one personally that's 26 pages. We'll see how that goes. But um, there are anthologies. There's communities online. Um, there's a great Twitter resource called Find Anthologies that actually will uh, share opportunities. But people are all the time putting together books. And if you're not, if you don't want to wait for a book and you don't want to risk having your pitch turned down just because there's a lot of people, then write a script. It's um, it's very fun to do. I mean, if you work with an artist, you can decide how you want the script done. But it's kind of like the writer actually writes what is going on in the panel and then the words. So right. you'd say, like, Harley Quinn jumps off a building. And then Harley Quinn says, Geronimo. And that's how the letterer and the artist will know how to put together. Do something small. Tell a short story. Release it online if you want to. and and if you Or you can get it printed as like a little ash can. Um, it's kind of a... You got to just jump into it. There's no <laughs> exactly. right or wrong answer. Um, Marvel and DC aren't going to come knocking right away. They, you, you do have to, if, if that's what you want to do, tell comic stories, just start doing them. You don't mm-hmm. have to wait for permission. Nope. Um, you can publish on Gumroad. You can do a Kickstarter. You can just put them out on your website. Um, just kind of go for it. I mean, the first comic I wrote was a comic about working in a comic book store. And we put out a book by women who worked in comic book stores. And that was, nice. that was what we did. So <laughs> Uh, there, there's no one right or wrong answer for doing the comics, but it's a matter of finding people who also want to tell stories and then just going for it. It's, it's yeah. a crazy process. No one does it because they want to get rich quick. They do it because no. they want to tell the stories that they want to tell. So, and yeah. if I find out how to work for DC, I'll update I, you, but, uh, don't hold your breath. <laughs> again, I am not a comic book writer. I just, um, I've just been reading comics for a very, very long time. And the only information I can say about DC specifically is since I believe 2016, Scott Snyder and some of the writers that are more, um, are that are very active in the DC community at whatever time it is, they do, uh, have a, I believe it's the comic book creative summit. Um, where you can just free pitch ideas to some of these writers, but there are some requirements. Uh, they do change, but I do remember that um, I had some friends who had pitched books to them, and you know, they guarantee that every story is read. So you will have your story read. They have people provide notes for you, um, but you have to have a bit of a you know you got to come correct. You got to bring a catalog of what you've done, and you know some stories that you want to tell. So. Um, Again, I mean, the, I, I've never written books, but I can, from what, like anything, it's a grind, I imagine. 
And actually, on that note, um, some sometimes, very rarely, it hasn't happened for a while, but DC sometimes hosts um, kind of writers' uh, talent hunts. But I know Top Top Cow every year, right. Top Cow, the imprint from uh, kind of subdivision of Image, uh, they do a talent hunt where they will take uh, scripts and and pair them with artists right. if they are good enough and and we'll put them together um mad cave studios had a talent search last year um so it's just it's just following the publishers seeing those opportunities and if you don't want to wait for those opportunities give yourself permission to go ahead and do it yes also you can't send pitches to writers for legal reasons so don't tell don't tell gail simone your great idea for a deadpool story <laughs> she legally cannot read it and with that with that little sidebar um we asked you guys last week, what is your favorite comic book catchphrase? Yes. Uh, there are so many of them, and you guys provided some great <laughs> ones. And I think Paul and I are going to do our best to be as accurate as possible mm -hmm. to the the catchphrases. So, sure Paul, are. do you want to start us off? Yes. I'm going to start us off here with a, uh, a twofer. Uh, not the character from 30 Rock, but we got two um, – Two things here we've got from Chris and Luann Robinson over in the Let Your Geek Set Show Facebook group, uh, both from Stan Lee. First one is <clears throat> Excelsior. That was sorry. pretty good. Okay. <laughs> and uh, the next one is uh, not something that Stan Lee said, but he ha he did coin, and it's with great power comes great responsibility. Obvi of course, from Spider-Man, which is what ben, uh, Uncle Ben says to Peter Parker. All right. Well, we have Eric Eskelin who gave us a classic, and now I'm not a I'm not a blue-eyed, ever-loving thing, but I'm gonna do my best. It's clobberin' time. Nailed it. <laughs> I wanted to save save the Doctor Strange one for You're, you. Paul. I was gonna say, I was like, I can't believe I let Amy read the Doctor Strange one. Well, not I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm I don't know if it's for certain, but I'm pretty sure Amy's my boss, so she can do whatever she wants. <laughs> I got your back. <laughs> um, so Dwayne Critchfield said, uh, by the hoary hosts of Hogoth. I was trying to do a, a, a spell, but I'm, I, don't, I don't want to throw up gang signs on accident again. So, uh, yeah, by the hoary hosts of Hogoth is a great And one. I'm a little more partial to by the flames of the fall teen anyways. So. <laughs> yes. <That's what laughs> and then Ron Yarena said, oh, my stars and garters from X-Men's Own Beast. There's <laughs> 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 just so many. I love that. Because I always – that one I always actually picture with a little bit of like a, oh, my stars and garters. Like he's got a little bit of a – I don't know. He, I, I imagine him <laughs> with like a fan, <laughs> which I think he I pants. I don't think so he much. needs to. I think he's beast. So I think he pants. He doesn't sweat. But yes, I imagine him with a fan. Uh, and fancy. Amy, we did have a follow-up question from one of our contributors here, Chris and Lynn Robinson. They'd asked, I have a question for Amy and Paul. What comics catchphrase do you guys use, if any, in everyday life? Um now I know I think I was like right off the cuff with mine. I knew which one I used because I do say, um, and it is from Jason Aaron's 2016 Doctor Strange run when a just a regular old dry cleaner messes up uh, the his mystical uh, cape, and he's you know rubbing his his brow and he's really upset and he says, "Of all the worlds and all the dimensions, I hate you the most," <laughs> and uh, because they've messed up his uh, his stuff way before he was even the Sorcerer Supreme. So I just what I say mainly is all the worlds and all the dimensions. <laughs> and that's how someone knows I hate them the most, of course. 
I have two, and I wouldn't say they're necessarily in daily life, but situationally, uh, <laughs> I have adopted Sweet Christmas as the, the I've stubbed my toe, and I don't <laughs> want to swear. Um, Sweet Christmas is a good one. Of course, that is Luke Cage's, uh, one of his many catchphrases. And then, a little more situational, but it's more of a personal uh, like I say it internally, if if something doesn't, if I don't want something to happen, is I say thee nay, and that's of mm-hmm. course that is of course a, a classic Thor line. But just oh, I say thee nay. Um, <laughs> now, yeah, the other question was, have you considered a catchphrase for closing out the podcast? We don't have one yet, but maybe you'll see us workshopping one. We're I don't open think to we suggestions. Should, <laughs> I don't think we should try one today because we don't have one in mind. But uh, maybe we maybe we will adopt our own. Uh, comics hall catchphrase to close out the podcast i hear stay classy san diego has been taken so oh. <laughs> we'll work point? on it but oh. we do have a question for you guys next week we are about to wrap up here uh, but next week we've got a little uh little something something called deadpool day coming up so of course in celebration uh deadpool day will be on the thursday but we will be hosting a, a comics hall episode on a wednesday which we will cover some new books but also give you your entire deadpool day primer of what you need to know so to get us started, we want to know, what is your favorite Deadpool moment in comics? You can provide pictures. Ooh. Pictures are exceptionally helpful. Uh, and I'm sure that there is no shortage of crazy Deadpool moments to pick from. So uh, we will post that up for you in the Let Your Geek Sideshow group. We'll have that on our Instagram and Twitter as well. So you can answer that. Get your Deadpool picks ready. Um, and we will check those out next week. You can also always email us at thecomicshall at sideshow.com or find us on social at the comics hall on facebook instagram and twitter and with that i think that just about covers it we've got uh same deadpool time same deadpool channel next week we will be hitting you up with the last wednesday of the month we've got march 31st uh new books and deadpool day primer as Mm -hmm. we mentioned thank you guys so much for joining us through this week a lot of big stuff uh can't wait to see what comic book news we've got to cover next week as well as always i'm amy and i'm paul And this has been The Comics Hall. See you guys next time. This has been The Comics Hall with Amy and Paul, presented by Sideshow. Submit your response to our fan mail question of the week by emailing thecomicshall at sideshow.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Also, don't forget to vote on the panel of the week in the Let Your Geek Sideshow official Facebook group. You can watch us live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on Sideshow's official Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, and Periscope channels. And you can keep in touch with our show on social media at The Comics Hall on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, don't forget to let your geek side show. Sideshow.